Hello and welcome to The View from the Lane, our Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. My name is Jack Pitbrook. I'm joined again today by James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare as we look back at Spurs' best players of the season so far and we discuss Delhi Alley, who Charlie has written about at length this week. Um, Charlie, is, is there much news from Tottenham this week after all the furloughs and everything of the last few weeks? No, not as much. I mean, because we met uh, last last Tuesday, didn't we? So that was after uh, the announcement had gone out on the Monday about um, yeah the reversal of the furloughing decision. So the next big thing we're on the lookout for is you know any decision on wage deferrals for the players and that kind of thing. Um, what I've been told is that a breakthrough isn't especially close just yet. Um, you know, talks, discussions ongoing, but it's such a complicated picture. Um, so yeah, for the first time really in you know since the start of the lockdown, it, it did feel like a slightly more quiet week at Spurs. Should say as well the the amazing work they've done in transforming the stadium for the NHS, and and that's been going this week. And you should have a look at some of the pictures and videos uh, on the official club's Twitter feed because it is an incredible transformation. But yeah, that th- that's been the main thing really. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye out on the wage deferrals uh, over the next few weeks. Is it possible that we could see? A child born in a stadium that would later play for Spurs. Mm. Wow, because it is North Middlesex's like it's a maternity ward, right? That's what they moved in there. Yeah, isn't maternity it? ward. Well, I, that hadn't even occurred to me. That's amazing. That could be incredible. I mean, that's a great athletic article for sort of. I was going to say, we'll be working twenty thirty eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what would that be? That would be twenty, roughly twenty. Yeah, twenty thirty eight. Yeah, twenty thirty eight. Yeah, give him a chance wow. to establish himself. Yeah, and then and then we can go along. There'll be, Things by by then, of course, the Premier League won't exist, and they'll be playing um, in the kind of Amazon Super League against Real Madrid in Miami or Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> if Spurs get invited, um, anyway, we'll keep an eye uh, on that as well. Concerns <laughs> <laughs> is brilliant. Um, we've been having a look back at the Athletic this week on the season as it as it developed up until the stoppage, including who the best players have been of the season so far. And Charlie, you've written about Spurs' player and young player of the season. Should we let, Let's start with young player, then we'll get mm. on to player. Who did you choose? Well, I chose uh, Jafet Tanganga. Uh, I didn't think there was a huge amount of competition, really. Um, well, I, sh- I should sort of clarify that. Technically, the rules are that you could have been... Uh, you had to be 23 or under at the start of the season to be eligible. So that would technically mean that Giovanni Lo Celso was eligible more on him later uh, and also someone like Deli Ali and it, and it was interesting actually on Twitter when I put out the fact that I'd gone with Tanganga which you know to me seemed like a bit of a no-brainer Guy Shelton this was on Twitter responded sorry it simply has to be Delhi official uh, Jaffet is a great looking prospect but hasn't played anywhere near the level of Delhi which just got me thinking it is quite interesting with these awards as to whether you're doing them in relative terms or absolute terms because you know, Deli Ali is not a. He's not someone we think of as a, a young player, and I think most people wouldn't have thought he'd had a particularly outstanding season. But then again, more on that later. But he has scored nine goals, I think. And you know, by if you're judging him against the same standards as Tanganga, has probably been better. But I do think with these awards, there is an element to which you, you're also looking at their improvement and that kind of thing. And to me, Tanganga just felt like you know, a, a young player really emerging. Uh, and that's why, for me, he got the nod. It's got it's got to be a breakthrough player, hasn't it? It's got, it's got to be I a think player so. who's noticeably stepped up. The most annoying thing I think that's happened in football in the last few years 
I should caveat that, that by saying this isn't a, a serious comment. Obviously, there have been genuinely bad things. But a thing that peeved me slightly was Gareth Bale winning PFA Young Player of the Year the year after he had won the senior award. Yeah. It's absolutely ludicrous. That just shouldn't happen. Well, Raheem Sterling won the Young Player last year. Well, yeah, exactly. It's mad. Isn't that He's crazy? played in the Premier League like, for about seven years. It's yeah, crazy. I know. Well, there was talk last year, wasn't there, of, of changing it to a sort of rookie of the year or something like that, which I do think is far more interesting. And that was, I suppose, part of my thinking that it was that as well. You know, it should be someone who is is not hugely experienced. Um, yeah. Well, you can uh, cap the number of matches they've played before that season. Yeah, do it that way. Say, yeah. Like two dozen or whatever. And say yeah. a player, you know, that was 22 or under at the start of the season. That just feels like a far more suitable way of, of measuring it. Yeah, I completely agree with this uh, campaign for Rookie of the Year. It's, it seems, it's always kind of farcical when you get players who've been around the block winning this award. So I think I endorse your choice of Tanganga. <laughs> Can you just talk us a little bit about what has been impressed about Tanganga? Because he's not, you know, if you wind back a year from now, he's not, you know, he wouldn't have been identified as like the next big thing at Spurs, would necessarily. No, I mean, he's, I've written about this a few times. He's very much in this silver medalist um, category, which is what um, the Spurs youth coaches used to talk about, the kind of late developers, you know, the guys who maybe weren't necessarily uh, who were thought to be the best prospects, but then really came into their own. And Harry Kane is the gold standard for that, to continue the sort of medal analogy. Um, and he, he could, because he wasn't someone necessarily they thought would be electric and then, really developed and Tanganga's been the same um you know even at the start of the season I think if you'd been told there'd be a young breakout Spurs player you would have thought it'd be Ollie Skip or maybe Troy Parrott um Tanganga kind of came out of nowhere I mean you know obviously relatively speaking there were people knew about him um and then he got this shock debut against Liverpool in the Premier League in January um you know against the runaway league leaders had never played a minute in the Premier League is suddenly starting uh he's always played as a centre-back uh, for the academy he's playing at right back and acquits himself really really well and just seemed to slot in seamlessly you know you never know how players are going to respond to the actual pressure of playing in the Premier League uh, and he was he just looked to the man of born and since then has really established himself as a pretty regular starter I think it's 9 out of 13 since then uh, Spurs games he started and you know looked very accomplished he's he's basically played everywhere in the defence apart from centre-back which is quite common with young players that you blood them away from where their errors might be a bit more costly um, and, and he's made some mistakes uh, you know against Wolves he had a particularly difficult afternoon but I wrote in the piece like I was really impressed in that Wolves game he kept demanding the ball still he kept his head up he didn't look too deflated by what happened and I think everyone you speak to says he is extremely mature he's very coachable which um, a contact was telling me is like one of the most important things clubs will look for in a young player you know someone who will absorb ideas uh, listen to coaches so he just seems to have it, all of those really important qualities. And um, yeah, really exciting prospect now for Tottenham. And we're expecting expecting a new contract for him later this year, is that right? Yeah, so they Spurs have the option of triggering a one-year extension automatically. They can do that uh, when his current deal expires at the end of June. Um, they were in quite advanced talks about a new longer-term, more lucrative contract. But with everything that's going on, that's been put on pause for the moment. But... Yeah, there's goodwill on both sides. Uh, he you know, he wants to stay. The club really want him. So, yeah, should be all good on that front. 
Fantastic. And for player of the season, I think no standout candidates, but a few. I think there's more good candidates in the field than for young player of the season. And who did you go for? Yeah, so I went for Giovanni Lo Celso. Um, again, it is it is this thing of you know relativity or going in absolute terms. And you could make the case Kane, Harry Kane, has 17 goals. And if that was a new signing, say, who had come to the club and had scored 17 goals at this point and had missed a chunk of the season, I think you'd be saying, wow, what a summer signing. What an electric striker. Son has got 16 goals uh, a lot of the time from a wide forward position. You'd probably be saying something similar. And I think it's interesting. You know, that's why someone like Aguero for years was omitted from uh, the team of the season because his brilliance became a bit commonplace but anyway Lo Celso to me has just been so exciting over the last couple of months and and that would be the main argument against him I think is that he hasn't played all that much but he's just given the whole place such a lift he's been a real positive in what's been you know a pretty difficult season so yeah just for the way he's lifted the team and makes you feel when you watch him uh to me he uh he got he gets the nod and a shower also for Serge Aurier who's been probably the most improved player I would say for Tottenham this season. James, who would you have had? Yeah, I, I would. I would go with Lascelles as well. I mean, it's it's incredible that he, he's started seven Premier League games. I think, which is a ludicrously mm. small number. I mean, obviously the season has been curtailed, as we know, um, and he would have ended up being somewhere sort of nearer fifteen twenty. But I, I just don't think you can argue that he has been he has been Spurs' best player this season. In the space of two months, he made himself. Undroppable. He made himself the best player in the team, the most important player in the team. And true, that was in the absence of Son and Kane um, for a large part of that. But he, he just looked like he, he can run the show from the centre of midfield in a way that Spurs had really, really lacked since Dembele left last January. And I think as well, like it's almost more impressive that he stepped up in the absence of those key players. Um, yeah, his, num- his numbers might also be a lot more impressive were he... Uh, you know, providing the ammunition for Son and Kane. So I think, yeah, I think he's done amazing to seize the uh, seize the initiative at that point. Yeah, because it would have been so easy for him to get lost. Like, let's not forget that he had a pretty bad muscle injury very early on in the season. I think in September, which put him out for what two months. Not and the far combina- off, yeah. yeah, the combination of you know coming to a new league, the manager who signs you gets sacked, you get a bad injury. And suddenly you have to impress a different manager who didn't even sign you while you have no grounding in that league whatsoever. Mm. Like, you know, it's precisely the kind of situation where new signings usually just sink without trace. And frankly, Ndombele struggles over this season, you know, having not had a bad long-term injury, having always been in and around the squad, having been given opportunity, having, you know, been given a run of games by by Pochettino and then a run of games initially under Mourinho and he you know he's kind of falling away from it whereas the fact that Lo Celso basically with from a standing start made himself Tottenham's most important player in November December and January is amazing like that is a, that is just a, a massive achievement in a team that's been desperate for a player like him yeah he's also really totally. good to watch and, and I think that was something that that m- makes quite a big difference in a season that's kind of unraveling fairly quickly from a fan's perspective you want there to be someone who can put the foot on the ball and do something a bit special. And he kind of got bums off seats at a time when probably most people in the stands are feeling pretty sorry for themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that is partly, that's the intangible element that for me made him the winner is that 
as well as his really impressive numbers and the fact that he you know he has such a good all-round game it was just the lift he gave the place like he was someone who fans really wanted to see and and just picking up Jack on what you said there I think it is so impressive because the narrative had been written he was just getting into the team under Pochettino then Mourinho came in he wasn't really playing that much and the whole narrative was well Mourinho doesn't fancy him um and he's just completely rewritten that he's he's forced his way into the team and not look back so yeah really really impressive first first half season or three quarter season well hats off to Giovanni Lo Celso the Athletic's <laughs> Tottenham player of the season um, so at the Athletic we are doing a series of player awards over the course of this week building up to a Premier League awards night on Sunday so our writers and podcast hosts have voted across quite a few different categories uh, ahead of us announcing all the winners over the course of this week, if you listen to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast every day, we will be announcing the shortlist for each category. So on Tuesday, when I imagine you'll be listening to this podcast, it's Young Player of the Year. And then on Wednesday, we're doing Underrated Player of the Year. And on Thursday, we're doing our The Athletic Premier League Team of the Year. On Friday, it'll be the shortlist for our main award, which is the Premier League Player of the Season. So that is a new show every day this week on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And then to find out the winners on Sunday evening, make sure that you subscribe and download the Athletic app. If you're not subscribed already, you can get a 90-day free trial to the Athletic if you go to theathletic.com forward slash SpursPod. Another player who we didn't mention there for player of the season, but has had another fascinating year, is Delhi Alley. Charlie, you've just written a magnificent piece about Delhi, his ups and downs, his season so far. You know, there's so much in that piece, I would recommend it to any listener. But one thing that really stood out to me and kind of slightly caught me by surprise is the suggestion that he's in fact had a better year than we thought he did. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the things that stood out. We, we There were a lot of things we wanted to... Um, Kind of unpick about Deli Ali. I, th- I think he's a really fascinating player and individual. He's one of these guys who I think a lot of people, you know, aren't sure exactly what it is that he does, what it is that makes him so good. Uh, and there's been a sense that he's, I think, been on the decline a little bit. Um, and you kind of have to stop yourself. When I started writing this piece, he was um, just about to turn 24. He was still 23. He's, he's now just turned 24. And what he's achieved is is phenomenal. Um you know, he's played in the Champions League final. He won the Young Player of the Year in his, each of his first two Premier League seasons. Uh, scored a goal to get England to the World Cup semi-final. So I think firstly, some perspectives needed. But yeah, we we had a look with Tom Worville, who's um, the analytics writer for the for the Athletic. Absolute brilliant guy and really knows his stuff. And it's in the underlying numbers where he is really a bit impressive this season. You know, look, it, it looks like he's. His expected goals per game and chances created per game is is getting is up really. It's higher than where it's been before, which suggests uh, he is definitely doing something right. And it was interesting looking at those numbers as well. In his first couple of seasons, he he massively overscored what was uh, his expected goals, and that tends to be unsustainable. Uh, you will almost always regress back to the mean level, what's expected, uh, and that's what's happened really. So. You know, I think people think he's had a big decline, uh, but it's more he really massively exceeded expectations in those last uh, 
in those first two seasons. He's now at a level that's a bit more sustainable. And also something the numbers don't show, which I wanted to get into in the piece, is that he's had quite a few injuries. And from people I spoke to uh, who know Delhi, they say that he hates missing games. So he's one of these people who just has to be playing. And so would often come back sooner than he was really ready. And then he was getting niggles. And it was all just kind of building up but I think there may also have been an element of burnout uh we forget this is a really young guy who at the end of his first Premier League season where he played a huge amount uh went straight to the Euros he was then at the World Cup two years after that even last season he played the Champions League final on June the 1st later that week you know she goes straight from that to the Nations League plays two games there um so the whole thing was yeah kind of an attempt to just put some of the conversation around Deli Alley into proper perspective um, and, you know, maybe debunk a few myths along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a fascinating player. Um, we also looked at the fact that his position has changed quite a bit. You know, he has scored last season, certainly scored fewer goals, partly because he was playing a lot deeper. Uh, and this is something Jack and I have talked about quite a bit, is that as Sun became so good as a kind of central player, that squeezed Delhi back a bit, took up a bit of his space. Um, and so I think he's had to adapt. And Mourinho's a big fan, so we'll probably see him playing more in that number 10 position, which is where he does a lot of his best work. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpick with Delhi Ali. I think he's a really fascinating player and an amazing backstory as well that we look into a bit in the piece too. I think it's probably safe to assume that now with Ericsson gone, there is a, a kind of another space in the team a bit further up the pitch. Would you agree with that, Charlie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it is interesting now. Spurs have some really good attacking options because everyone's going to be fit probably by the time we restart. I mean, Bergvine may be still a doubt. But yeah, I think I think that's definitely right. You, you'd think now that it would be Delhi as a 10, Kane as a centre-forward, Son probably to the left, and then maybe Bergvine on the right. But yeah, I mean, that, that certainly should see him playing more in that kind of central attacking position. It just feels like a logical switch, really, doesn't it? With, with Lotelso coming into prominence in like the centre midfield, Ericsson now out of the team, just push Deli Ali forward to where he was playing so well before in, in like, you know, like 2015, 16 and 16, 17, as we've talked about quite often on the podcast. Um, and just kind of let him play off the show, let him play off a striker again, which is which is where he was scoring so many goals before. Mm. Uh, it kind of feels like that's like a really obvious answer to the problem and that's not been something that, that that's been able to happen in the last few months because of all the injuries that have, that have occurred and he's kind of had to kind of either play as a striker or or in another role that's not quite as familiar but you know I mean even even having said all that his numbers this season purely in terms of goals at 18-22 in the Premier which you can probably mm. extrapolate to being something like sort of you know, he would have ended up on maybe 12 in 33 or whatever if you're going to kind of work on those numbers, which for a midfield player, essentially, is a decent return by, by any Really terms. good, yeah. Again, like we talk about, I think, you know, coming back to the relativity of the player's output, if that's his first season or even a player you've signed for a lot of money to play in that kind of position, you're pretty pleased with that, I think. I think with Deli Ali, what, what he really suffers from is having been so explosive and eye-catching in those first couple of seasons he burst onto the scene. All of the kind of flicks and tricks that looked really great in highlight reels, but maybe didn't necessarily always uh, serve any great purpose. Mm. He's kind of, a lot of those things have kind of fallen out of his game as he's kind of matured and, and grown as a player. And, and I think now 
you watch Deli Ali expecting to kind of be blown away every time he's on the ball, and you just don't get that now. There's a lot more sort of simple passes and like retaining possession and whatever else, and it's not quite as eye-catching as it once was. And I think people kind of process that as a player regressing rather than just sort of finessing mm. his game. T- totally, I think he's such an interesting player in that. He is someone who, when he's not scoring or, or assisting now, you, you can be left wondering what it is exactly he's done. And a couple of people in the comments under the article compared him to Thomas Muller in that respect. Um, a player from a few years back that I think of in a similar way as Freddie Jumberg, who was brilliant at timing his runs and getting goals from midfield, but often didn't do a huge amount else. So I, I think that also contributes to why sometimes people can be a bit um, confused about what exactly what it is that Delhi's doing. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about Delhi because he is he's very obviously like a penalty box player. He's not he's not a great midfielder. He doesn't really do much in midfield, but all of his best work comes in the final third. But I think that makes it very it makes it difficult because there aren't as you said there are not many players like that out there who do mm. the same sort of thing as him, and that makes it difficult for managers to really know what to do with him like obviously Pochettino did very well with Delhi and got some fantastic work out of him but I don't think Gareth Southgate has ever really known what to do with Delhi Alley no. especially mm-hmm. I think that Roy Hodgson knew what to knew what to do with Delhi Alley at Euro 2016 either so I mean we've seen this in the fact that the 2018 World Cup Delhi was playing as one of a midfield three never looked good I mean admittedly he had an injury at that tournament so he was never he was never fully fit and now he's not even in Southgate's squads and I think that says a lot as well about how how kind of replicable Delhi's skills are in a different environment, and I think I think that is connect, connected to the fact that Delhi did, hasn't got the big move that he, you might mm. he might have expected to have got maybe three years ago, which is why he's still at Tottenham. Because you know it's all very. I, I wonder whether the other big teams, Man City, Real Madrid, Manchester United, whoever, would have looked at him and thought, well, he's obviously very good, but I don't know exactly what we would do with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now, obviously, Mourinho has inherited the same issue, and he. I looked at the start like he could get the most out of him, but now I think, I think the jury's out. To be honest, on whether Delhi can replicate the effectiveness of what he did under Pochettino under Mourinho. Yeah, I, I think it, he started well. I think it it will be interesting once Kane's back and he he can play a bit more in that uh, sort of number ten role. I think in the past Mourinho has shown he's quite good at liberating attacking players by simplifying things for them, and that. To me, it would definitely be a thing that would help Deli Ali. I think just just being told to go out and do his thing and and to to play off a striker and to get forward and to make runs into the box off the ball, that doing all of those things I think would help him score quite a lot more goals. And once he's scoring a few more goals, then obviously the confidence to do other stuff will kind of come with it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think he is someone who's so judged on goals as well that that will really change the perception of him also. And I do think that his, you know, when he was doing so, I mean. We talk about this all the time, but we haven't actually done it for a few weeks, so we might as well do it now. All of his best successes in 2016-17 came with a b- brilliant midfield behind him. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you knew what yeah. I was going to say. I didn't even need to say it. But, you know, when you've got Dembele, Wanyama, yeah. Ericsson behind, effectively behind you, or rather Ericsson kind of floating alongside you, but when you've got that basis, when you've got two very, very strong central midfielders, then it does give you more license because your team's going to dominate the ball more. You know, you don't have to worry so much about the counter-attack, but... Spurs have been so bad in midfield for the last year or two that Delhi's not really been able. It's you know, it's much harder to be that kind of uh, clever second ball, second striker kind of guy. Um, 
And, you know, maybe if Spurs midfield improves in 2021 or beyond, then Delhi will be able to get back to, the, to that. But I, I want to get back to some, I want to get on to something slightly different, which is Delhi off the field, because a lot of conversations about Delhi Alley come back to this idea that he's taken his eye off the ball or he isn't, you know, he's become distracted or he's not a good lad. You know, there's like, there, there's a lot of talk and speculation about this. When it comes to Delhi, um, Charlie, you know, having digged into this a lot, what what's your understanding of Delhi's kind of personality and approach? Yeah, there there are so many elements to this. I mean, there's the one side of it is the fact that he, you know, he he became a massive deal, uh, you know, after winning those two Player of the Year awards and his interest you know in fashion and those sort of things he could explore them a lot more and signed a really lucrative deal with adidas became one of their main faces he's done his own fashion campaign uh for boohoo man and i i think it's really difficult to know how much that does affect one on the pitch you know i think when all you can look at more tangibly are things like the coronavirus video which will probably get him a suspension and things like that are when you can be like okay well that is a really stupid thing to do and that's going to affect you and your teammates then you have this issue of you know has he changed from when he was a youngster depends who you talk to some people i spoke to said yes he's changed a lot and the fame's gone to his head other people say no not at all he's exactly the same you know funny cheeky often very shy person that he was growing up uh, in Milton Keynes as a teenager so I think it's complicated and he has had an extraordinary background you know we, we look at it in the piece but he he was really he had a really really difficult upbringing whereby his dad left the family when he was a, you know, a few weeks old his mum struggled with alcoholism. He was left to his own devices a lot of the time as a kid. And then he was taken in uh, by the Hickford family. And Harry is who he considers his brother. And he's now his manager. They live together. So, you know, it, it's a difficult one. And it's hard to say one way or the other whether A, he's changed as a person. B, whether this stuff uh, affects his performances. But I do think doing things like um those the adidas campaign boohoo all of this stuff for some people that plays into this idea that he's lost his focus and i don't know i i just think sometimes that can be overstated and you know we see that with someone like jesse lingard as well um it's maybe a slightly generational thing you know someone like graham sunes i'm sure that doesn't impress uh other people might think he's a young guy you know let him get on with it and and do whatever he wants if that's how he wants to express himself good on him what's quite interesting about all of that to me is that i met and interviewed Dele Alley twice for 442 magazine in the space of a year the first time was in uh sort of january or february 2016 so that first season he was in the premier league and the second time was was about 12 months later and that first time, you know, it, we were probably like in a studio for kind of three or four hours. And he was like incredible company. You know, he was a great laugh. He, like, you know, he was brilliant with the photography, which a lot of footballers are really, really reluctant to do. He was kind of throwing himself around, jumping around, making a bit of a, making a bit of a fool of himself, maybe. But yeah, you know, he had a great sense of humor. He was really into it. And he was, 
really engaging in conversation. He was really into the fact that he was being interviewed by you know a magazine. He was going to be on the cover of a magazine. He seemed really excited by it. He was enthusiastic about everything. And it was like a total breath of fresh air in comparison to other sort of big magazine shoots that I'd been on before that where, where players had been really reluctant to kind of hmm. show any kind of enthusiasm or, or enjoyment or, or really any personality. And then 12 months later, uh, met him again. And, you know, he's very polite, a, a very charming guy and answered questions well and did the stuff we wanted to do in terms of photography, which included posing with, with the family dog for reasons that I can't really remember now. Um, <laughs> but he, he just fe- it just felt like he had matured at an incredible rate in that time. Mm. To me, I- I- in that situation, it felt like he, he was, he basically felt like a footballer the second time around, if you know what I mean. It was like all the rough edges had kind of been like sanded down and like his answers to questions were much more sort of rounded and, and kind of what you'd expect a footballer to say. So I don't know whether like, you know, media training and image management had kind of kicked in in those 12 months, but it really felt like he had changed quite a bit. Um, in, in, purely in terms of the way he was conducting himself in an interview, obviously this isn't like a, necessarily a reflection on, on his personality or his character, but purely in terms of the way he held himself around the media, it felt like there was like quite a marked change in that time. That's really interesting. And, and I mentioned in the piece that, you know, there were some who felt he's become quite guarded uh, with his interviews um, and a bit more measured. And, and I said, you know, it was almost reassuring to hear him be quite spiky after Spurs went out of the Champions League and deliver some yeah. home truths because that yeah. felt more genuine. And I think, you know, we all want our players to show personality and, you know, be a bit different. I also think, like... it it's probably just an inevitability of where uh, you know you probably get slight fatigue with having your photo taken and speaking to media and that sort of thing yeah absolutely and you know th- there are reasons you know he- he's been stung a couple of times by things he's you know said and done on social media as you've alluded to before and uh, you know he's had he's had some criticism some of it warranted some of it not and i think you know just, just as a person growing up between the ages of 18 and 23 24 you're, you're going to learn a lot about how to conduct yourself in public and how to conduct yourself in the workplace. You're going to change as a person, so that's kind of to be expected. Um, but but the the thing that's kind of that I've noticed that seems a bit strange is that on on social media previously, he, he I don't know if either of you have felt this, but like a couple of years ago, it really felt like he really put himself out there and he was really enthusiastic and you got like a real taste of his character. And I watched him on a Instagram live story over the weekend, and he was talking to Eric Dyer. And in the past, you'd kind of expect them to both be like really enthusiastic and really, you know, laughing and joking and kind of messing around. But it just felt like they were both they were both quite downbeat. Mm. It was just quite a strange dynamic, and it just felt so different to the way those kind of conversations would have gone like kind of three or four years ago. It just seemed very strange. I think that's kind of tied into one of the big questions about Delhi, which is like, to what extent can he retain that? rawness and excitingness and everything that was like so invigorating and fresh about Delhi when he showed up on the scene because he's very different from like a normal academy player like he hasn't been yeah. at a top academy mm. he came back you know replaced playing for MK Dons for what a season by the time he came into the Spurs team and then he was able to perform at the top level for one of the best teams in the Premier League with this amazing kind of teenage exuberance and now over time, you know, it's been, on the pitch, it's been like, well, can his, can that teenage exuberance and freeness be like, 
can that be turned into something which is usable by an elite level Premier League team? And off the pitch, it's like you've seen Delhi slowly turn from, you know, into just being a kind of very famous millionaire footballer with all that, that entails. So I guess that the question going forward is like, can he, is he just going to be like another Premier League player or can he somehow retain some of that, some of that exciting exuberance that made him so such a star in the first place going forward? Yeah, because he, he is. He, he definitely needs that, doesn't he? I mean, that that was such a key part of his success in those early seasons. Like that little swagger that that was. I think it was the, it was Tim Sherwood who said he had that element of devilment about him, mm. and obviously he got himself into hot, into hot water on the pitch a couple of times as well. But uh, you know, we always say of players like that, you, you can't take that out of their game, and, and perhaps that is true of Deli Ali. Perhaps he needs to have like the naughty streak, both in terms of you know getting stuck into a few challenges and also you know, winding up an opposition player by nutmegging him a couple of times. And also just trying stuff, you know, everyone who played with him, uh, you know, speaking to his former coaches and that kind of thing said one of the things that stood out was his spontaneity and yeah. he would take big risks and stuff like that. I wonder, is there's, there may be an element even football has changed in that time and now with such an emphasis on your analytics and data and sort of, and, and those kinds of things that, having a player who does give the ball away a lot and tries stuff is maybe deemed higher risk than it would have been then. But that is when he's at his best, I think, when he's allowed to try things. They're not all going to come off, but some might. And it only takes one or two things to come off that for you to have a spectacular moment. Yeah. I think that kind of takes us back to what Jack said before, really, that it, you can do all of that stuff far more readily when you're in a team that's really functional and, it, and every element of a team works well. Everybody knows their role. Everybody knows where they have to be, where the ball is on any part of the pitch and, and where they have to fill in if someone gets caught out of position or someone loses the ball, mm. which is where Spurs were you know, three or four years ago. Now, clear, clearly it's much more of a mess and you can't really have a player like Deli Alli like, taking a risk and giving the ball away because there are other players in that team, we don't need to name names, who will just give the ball away anyway. So you can't have everyone giving the ball away all the time, obviously. It'd be absolute yeah. madness. So it just feels like it's harder to have risk-takers like that in the team when there are other players <laughs> accidentally taking risks. <laughs> it's true, yeah. It's. I also feel like Delhi is just under more pressure now. I feel like when he arrived into the team, because he was so young and he only cost five million quid and he was, you know, the, he, he was so able to just do whatever he wants on the pitch. And now he's like... Because with, with with all the fame and and success that he's had in the last sort of five years, you know that comes with a, quite a lot of responsibility to you know to deliver week after week, to not give the ball away, to behave immaculately all the time on the pitch and off the pitch, and he's not really he's not really had to deal with that much responsibility in his career so far, and it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, whether he becomes a more responsible player like some you know like say Wayne Rooney did. As he got older, like one 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 thing that really stuck out with me about Delhi, some someone who would really know about this told me. He said, "I'm not sure Delhi's got any kind of what if he knows what his path is in the game, and if he's got a role model who's done it before. Like mm. it's not like you're coming up as a. It's not like he emerged as a young player into a Spurs team which had a senior player who was a bit like him who he could lean on for experience. Even at England level, like I guess when he started playing for England." Like Rooney was still there, but then Rooney retired fairly soon after. But he's—I don't know if you ask Deli Ali, like, who, what player do you want to be in five years' time or eight years' time, and how can you, what advice can you get to get there? 
I don't know. Like it's all it's all been so off the cuff that I wonder if mm. there is a real pathway. And well, funnily all... enough, it's funny you mention that because in in one of those two interviews, he did talk about the players that he had looked up to as a kid, and the two the two were Steven Gerrard and Ronaldinho, who who are two like totally different players. Hmm. And I, I, I like yeah. m- maybe that kind of sums up the issue that they're maybe trying to kind of be too many different things, if you know what I mean. That's interesting. I mean, the, the, yeah, they are both players you can sort of see a little bit in his There are game. elements of it, but I just feel like combining those two things maybe doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. The thing is as well, to come from League One and win the Young Player of the Year in each of your first two seasons is just yeah. crazy, really. And I think there was this expectation. And then he has, you know, reaches the, F- the World Cup semi-final. So you're just on this upward trajectory and you kind of assume that will just continue indefinitely when obviously the reality is that very rarely happens for a player. And I think as well, the more you play, the more data every opponent has on you. So it does become harder in a way. Whereas first season, he was such an unknown quantity. And as Jack says, he was a player people hadn't really seen before. So it was even harder to get a handle on him. Um, Whereas obviously now people will know the sorts of runs he makes and will put people in place to stop him so it it does get more difficult and maybe he will have to evolve and have a slightly different role to to be as effective as he was uh, those few in those first couple of seasons where do you imagine Delhi will be in a few years time because it seems one I think one important takeaway from your piece Charlie is that I don't think he's going to leave Tottenham anytime soon I think we all know the reality of Tottenham is that when you sign that long-term contract as Delhi did last season you're you know you're staying for a while so he's not going to move, you know, I don't think he's going to make a big money move to Manchester United or anywhere else in the near future. So presuming that he is still at Tottenham, what do you expect? Yeah, it's it's so difficult to know. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely think he'll still be there because leaving is extremely difficult if you're on a contract like he is. Um, I think he will. I think he will have a few more really good years. Definitely. I, th- I, I, I just think there's too much quality there. Um, it might be in a less spectacular way. Um, again, you know, maybe you'd hope that he would evolve uh, in a way like someone like Joe Cole did under Mourinho and Cole you know, cut out a lot of the flicks but but had the most effective years of his career. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen with Delhi, but, you know, maybe he will become more of that sort of player uh, where he, you know, there there are less tricks, but he gets his goal scoring numbers i mean his goal scoring numbers are pretty uh, are heading to back to where they were anyway so that's really encouraging um I, I i i'm positive i think he'll be good i think he'll have a really good next few years james yeah i think the key thing is uh it's kind of redefining that position and just working out for for Mourinho to work out where he wants Dali Ali to play and to play him there consistently because i think kind of being shunted around over the last 18 months, two years, really hasn't helped him. But as we were saying before, you can kind of see a pathway now for him to play in that in that position again. Um, and the way that the rest of the team would kind of click into place around him. Uh, and, and, you know, Charlie's right. It probably won't be quite as spectacular as those first couple of years, but that's, that's just the way these things go, right? Very few players are, uh, you know, playing exactly the same way at... 24, 25, 26, as they did when they were 18, for good or for bad. It's just the way that the game works. You know, you you, you learn and you change as you as you play the game. And yeah, and and, and for, for the reasons outlined uh, already, there, there's no chance he's going to leave anytime soon. Although, although, to be honest, I think if he had another sort of 18-goal season next season, then 
you could see there could be interest again. But I, I, I don't really envisage a big move for him anytime soon, which I think is uh, I think is a good thing for Spurs. Yeah, well, it's um, Charlie's piece on this is really, really interesting. I would, If you are a, a listener but not yet a subscriber, I would really recommend you taking advantage of the free trial to read this and everything else we've got on The Athletic. Um, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you very much to all our listeners. If you've got any questions or anything you want us to talk about next week, please tweet us because you know we are going to be doing a lot more of these podcasts before football comes back. Um, thank you very much to James and Charlie. Thank you to our producer, Tom, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.